ComC.com is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 26 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time, ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. ComC reached an incredible milestone during this year's national by processing their 100 millionth item. ComC looks forward to offering safe and easy trading card consignment for years to come and continuing to focus on fulfilling their mission to optimize everyone's enjoyment of the hobby. To stay updated with ComC, please follow them on social media at Check Out My Cards on all platforms. To learn more about the exciting changes being made at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. We've got a week left in October, and this month has been full of listing for me. The the buying of collections slowed down in the late summer. I had been doing a lot of traveling, but over the last few weeks of September and the first couple weeks of October, that really picked up. I bought some bulk basin insert collections. I bought out that dealer at one of our local shows. And so I have had a ton of stuff to go through to sort and ultimately get listed. My focus started with the things I wanted to get up on sport lots. And so that is where a lot of the sorting and putting in number order, and then ultimately listing on sport lots. That's where I went first. I'm through all of those cards now, and I've started to move into the listing on eBay. I have all of the things bundled up to send another shipment into ComC. Getting things listed on eBay is going to be the priority here over the next week or so in October, and it'll probably stretch into the first week or two of November as well. Hopefully that will be fully stocked, fully loaded, ready to go for the Christmas shopping season around Thanksgiving. But that is going to be my primary business focus here over the next several weeks. Finish getting these things listed and up and ready to go for sale. So that's a little peek behind the curtain of what's going on at Wax Pack Hero. And now we can move on to our topic of the day. And that is our guest, Janice Mabra from TriStar. She's been in the industry since the 90s, working on both the card manufacturer side of things and now at TriStar, and she brings a ton of experience, and she's got a great reputation within the industry. We first met at the industry summit about a month or so ago and had a great conversation with her at one of the breakout sessions, and we'll talk a little bit about that in our conversation today. I'm going to go ahead and run the interview after I tell you about Underdog Collectibles, the online shop run by collectors for collectors that breaks new product every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday night. They also have a physical shop in Knoxville, Tennessee in the University Commons area near the University of Tennessee campus. You can check out udogcollect.com to see what they're breaking this week. For instance, it looks like they're going to be breaking some Onyx Vintage, some National Treasures Collegiate, some Mosaic Baseball Hobby Boxes, and some Leaf Ultimate Sports. So check out udogcollect.com to find out what they're going to be breaking. And when you do, make sure you tell them the Wax Pack Hero sent you. Hi, this is Scott Spezio, and you're listening to the Wax Packs Hero Sports Card Minute. Janice, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. Happy to be here. 
Now, one of the things that I learned about you early on, and, and we'll get into a little bit more of this later of how we actually met, but that you've been involved in this industry for a long time. So maybe we can get started by just having you share a little bit about your background collecting and your background in the hobby. Okay. Um, well, as we mentioned pre-recording, um, when I first got into this industry, I, I personally was not a card collector. I collected a lot of things, particularly coins, uh, and I still like I still like coins, but I think a collector, if you're a collector, you're a collector at heart. It may not be cards, but it may be something. But, if, you know, like me, having done coins and I got into cards, obviously I went in that direction. But um, when I started at Playoff, which became Donruss Playoff, uh, I didn't know a lot about card collecting. And I thought, well, these, everybody there had, had been in the industry before because the lady that owned uh, and started Playoff had owned score trading cards, which was one of the, you know, the big players back in the late 80s, early 90s. So when she sold that company and started uh, the Playoff Corporation, uh, they brought in a lot of new people in the sales arena because at Score, they had an outside company that did their marketing and sales. It was called Major League Marketing. And lo and behold, when I got there and when I thought all these people would teach me about the industry, none of them knew anything about sales or marketing for trading cards. So that was a, rather a surprise. But um, back at that time, which was like uh, late 1991, there was a publication called SCD, Sports Collector Digest. And it was in a very large format, but it came out weekly and had a, a lot of articles, but had a lot of ads uh, from different dealers. There were no distributors at that point in time. So I read that from cover to cover every week, a bought list and just started smiling and dialing people. You know, I really kind of learned it from the, the bottom up and the grassroots effort and uh, the industry was very different back then. It was at, at what at the time had been the peak of the industry, nothing like it is now. This is surpassed, what we're seeing now surpassed what happened back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. But uh, anybody that opened a pack of cards thought they could, could start a card store. And most of them did. There was one on every corner. And uh, obviously, when the, the height started going down, uh, you know, many, many, many of those card stores closed and continued to close throughout the years. And obviously now with what's going on in the industry and uh, it, it started up again, we're seeing people start card stores. We're seeing a, a, a lot of new breakers come into the industry. So I've just seen a lot of changes throughout the years. So you started there with playoff within the industry. Um, where did you go from there? How, you're at TriStar now. How did you find your way to TriStar? Well, the interesting thing on that, Michael, is when I was with playoff, um, TriStar originally, when they started like in 1986, 87, they were a show promoter. That was, that was what they did. 
and they brought in a lot of, you know, autograph guests. Well, when, when uh, playoffs started up, we would go set up at the TriStar shows because we wanted to get our name and the recognition out as a new company. And so back in 1992, one of the very first sports card shows I did was a TriStar show down in Houston, Texas, which is where we're headquartered. And I met uh, the owner, Jeff Rosenberg. And, um, and then through the years, I did, I can't tell you how many TriStar shows I've set up at, because uh, at one time they were doing anywhere from 13 to 17 shows a year. Um, you know, once again, back in that particular era, there were no computers, no internet, um, you know, none of the social media we have now. So any contact you had with new collectors, your customers, it was all done at the show format. In 2005, Playoff lost their Major League Baseball license and um, they were not able to keep everybody employed at the time. And unfortunately, I was one of the casualties of that. Jeff Rosenberg called me one day and he said, Janice, would you be interested in coming to work for TriStar? I said, well, I don't know. What would I do for TriStar? <laughs> well, at that time, they had started the packaged goods area uh, division, and they also were pursuing a, a minor league baseball license. So he knew I had the card experience, but he also knew that I had the background working with distributors and stores selling a packaged product. And if uh, anybody's not aware about the TriStar package products, what we have are like autographed baseballs, mini helmets, uh, jerseys. We have full-size helmets. Uh, we're in the process of, uh, we'll be releasing in our first release of autographed basketballs. And these are all individually boxed, autographed. Um, they're all authenticated, but it's a blind purchase. You don't know what you're going to be receiving. I kind of equate it to a package of cards. Sure. You open a package of cards, you don't know what's going to be in there. It's the same thing with this TriStar memorabilia, package good memorabilia. Let's talk a few minutes about where we met. So you and I first met at the industry summit um, about a month ago or so. And it was at one of the breakout sessions that had been put on the schedule about women in the hobby. And it was a pretty vague topic. It didn't really say <laughs> what exactly we were going to be covering in that conversation, but um, there was, you know, about, I think it was about a dozen or so women in the hobby that showed up to support that. And then there was um, maybe close to that number of men that came to uh, because they wanted to learn. I believe there were more men than women in the women's session. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about how that that um, breakout session even got on the calendar and and what your kind of thoughts were on that on that session. Well, it was something that um, Ray Schulte, and who is kind of the moderator and assist at the summit. Uh, Ray also is the PR guy for the National uh, Sports Card Collectors Convention. And then Ted uh, Barker, who runs the, the summit, he's with Beckett Media. And I've, I've known both Ted 
and Ray for many, many years in various capacities because they've also done different jobs within the hobby. I actually worked with Ted at Playoff at one time. And I think uh, like you and I had discussed previously, they realized that there were more and more women that were uh, entering into the hobby, particularly via the collector, from as a collector aspect. Um, there's always been women collectors, that is true, but there's always been a lot of women that have worked in the hobby that a lot of people are not aware of. And um, so when they came up with, with that, quite honestly, we did not have an agenda because we had no idea, you know, who was going to be in there, uh, what the mix was going to be. And as you mentioned, it was a little surprising is how it turned out because a lot of the women that were there did not uh, participate in the, in the meeting. And so they called and asked me if I would, would head up that meeting. And I have, through the years, I've done a lot of the breakout sessions where I've done the moder moderation on it. And, um, you know, they had it set up where I would be on the stage and everybody would be out, kind of like a classroom uh, scenario. And, you know, I told Ray, I said, you know, Ray, what I would like to do is just have everybody sit around and kind of brainstorm and talk on this, not knowing really what to expect. And he said, that, that'll be great, Janice, if that's what you want to do. Uh, the one thing I really wanted to convey in there is the fact that there have always been women in the hobby and some in very prominent positions. As I mentioned there, I went to work, when I first went to work for Playoff, there was a woman that owned the company. Um, the product development people were all women. So, uh, and then, you know, I was the, the first salesperson and I believe I was probably the first sales uh, person, card manufacturer salesperson, female card, man, pardon me, female uh, manufacturer salesperson. So, you know, it was, it was a little different, but I just thought, oh, well, there's just a lot of women in this hobby yep. <laughs> because that's what I saw from my perspective. Uh, and, you know, we always had some, some women collectors coming to the show and you would see, uh, occasionally see some women in some other various roles within the hobby. Lisa Stiletto, who was participating in that session. Uh, Lisa was a dealer back then. She still is. She's, you know, she's been in this longer than I have, actually. There were a lot of very uh, large, prominent women show promoters at that time. Um, what what was um, the the person's name that you had told the story about, or somebody had told a story about um, in the session that was one of the the female promoters that drove a hard bargain, and she yeah. let people know um, what what was her name? I, I know I've heard Dr. Woman. Beckett talk about her uh, before as well. Uh, Gloria Rothstein. That's that's who it yeah, was. She was up in New York, and uh, you know, kind of a typical New Yorker, but she she didn't take any gump off of anybody. And, you know, obviously the majority of the tables set up there were all men. Yep. And, uh, you know, she, they had to be dressed the way she wanted them to be dressed. She did not allow them back then, which was prevalent. There was no smoking in that room, uh, which now is, you know, no one yep. 
anywhere can smoke. But back then that was very common to see, uh, you know, she had, she had her rules that she wanted followed and she didn't make any bones about it. So, and then you also had folks like Jean McLeod who had designed some of the, you know, the, uh, the Fleer products back in the day and some of those some basketball cards that everybody loves, but not everyone realizes that, um, you know, it was a female who was the, the lead designer of some of those products. Right. Yeah. You know, it, I was having a conversation last summer with Sue's formerly of tops now with right. golden and we were discussing this topic. And I asked her, you know, at that point, why it seemed that there weren't more women in the hobby. And she said the exact same thing that you just said. She said, there actually are quite a few women working in the field. It's just, they're not all in visible public facing roles, Correct. but behind the scenes or, or filling those roles within organizations, there are, there are a lot of women that are influencing and shaping the hobby, but they're just not always that, that public facing role. Um, I guess when it comes to that, are there, you know, other, other kind of key players that, that, that you're connected to that you think people maybe should just need to be more aware of. And, and some of those impacts that, that women are having in the broader hobby that many people just don't realize anything you can think of there kind of, as we're talking. Uh, well, I mentioned this, uh, and it was, it was true back then. And it's true now, even within the licensing uh, the NFL licensing, the basketball licensing, uh, at one time, Major League Baseball, one of the probably the one most feared women in the in the hobby was a lady by the name of Judy Heater, and she held the strings to an MLB license. And um, there are still women in those roles today. You know, we, we see more women um, coming into the breaker. We have some women store owners now, which we may have had back then. I'm not aware of, but um, two of the ladies that were in our meeting, and if, if you recall, they work for distributors, mm -hmm. which is a very, you know, big part of this industry. One of them, Don had been at Magazine Exchange for 22 years. Ashley had been with Peach State for 15 or 16 years. So, and there are certainly more women working at, at, at the distributor level than we saw there. And like Panini has a lot of women working for them now. They have, um, they have another female sales rep, uh, the retail sales rep who was in our meeting. Uh, she was, you know, they have her now. And I know they had another lady uh, out at the summit, which I was not familiar with and didn't have an opportunity to meet her. But, you know, definitely there are more and more people, women that are out and getting some visibility now than we've ever seen before. I thought it was neat that, you know, as you just kind of referenced, the, the whole spectrum of participation was represented in that meeting, right? There were people working for manufacturers, Correct. distributors, there were people, there were store owners, there were people involved in owning and partners in online breaking companies. And there was even people there who were representing the female audience from a content creation perspective and making sure that 
um, that that angle was, was there too, right? So everything from content to manufacturing to to store and shop owners and the the retail um, perspective of that was all represented in that meeting. And I, I thought that was a great cross section as I kind of reflected back on the conversation. Yeah, I, I did too. And I think I may have mentioned that at the meeting. I, it was, it was, I think, really telling to see what we had in that meeting that, like you said, the cross section, because the women were represented from almost every uh, other, there may be the licensing side. Yep. I also appreciated hearing some of the stories that that some of the attendees shared uh, when it came to just maybe some of the the bias or assumptions or or things like that that people were making. I remember I think it was Lisa who was telling a story of her running her table at one of the shows and somebody coming up and saying, "Oh yeah, I've got a question, but I'll wait till your husband gets back right. or something like that." And not, there's just, there was an implicit assumption that, oh, this, this female can't be the one who's in charge of, of this table or, or this section. Um, hearing some of the comments from folks who have attended online breaks and some of the, um, the language or terminology that was used that just created more of a not welcoming, you know, alienating almost, um, you know, atmosphere. Hearing some of those things, I think, was a great reminder to everyone that there is, like you said, a, a broad range of collectors out there, some male and some female. And why would you intentionally alienate a whole segment of that customer base? Well, I, you know, and that depends on the individual. Uh, I think in the, the, situation you're referencing probably was an, an online break situation. And I think we, there were a couple of comments on that. And, um, but you know, Michael, it's like anything. You're gonna find pockets like that. Then you're gonna find some that run it very clean. And, you know, they really monitor that and, and don't allow it. So when you're looking at, at from the breaker aspect or going into a shop, like that or going to a show and dealing with somebody, you have to find someone that you're comfortable with. And, you know, not everyone, it's like anything in life. Not everyone likes everything. Yep. You, you just have to find what works for you. One of the things that we hit on earlier was how many times some of the uh, women in the industry um, have been a little more behind the scenes or sometimes they don't necessarily get the, the recognition they deserve for the contributions that they've made and the contributions that they continue to make. What are, from your perspective, obviously you can't speak for all women across the industry, but from your perspective, what are some things that we as a hobby can do to better highlight some of those female contributions? Well, um, the, the proposal I told you that I presented to Ray and to Ted has a lot to do with that, getting some recognition for women from the various um, segments of the hobby, uh, which many are behind the scenes. And, you know, for an example, and I gave them this example, is Mandy First, who works for TriStar, and obviously I have, have the most firsthand experience, knowledge about her. 
Mandy came to TriStar as an intern like 22 years ago. She is now the head of our operations department. And I mean, day to day, she is making that company go. But not only that is Mandy pretty much runs the autograph pavilion at the national. And for anybody that's ever been to the national, that is a major undertaking. There are so many moving parts and she's on top of it, but there's probably not many people within the industry that if you said the name Mandy first would know who she was, mm -hmm. but she's a very viable and vital part of this industry. So, you know, that's, I want to look for people like that to be highlighted, you know, and, and brought to the forefront. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of wives that work in the stores with their husbands that are just as knowledgeable um, and work just as hard. And those, those women need to be highlighted. Same thing at the breaker level, same thing at the distributor level. So I, there's ample opportunity out there. And, you know, through Beckett Media, through a lot of, a lot of what Ray does, because he does a lot of social media, yep. yourself, um, the Kelly that was in for the, the sports card investor. I think he's, you know, certainly is an outlet in a, in a strong position to get the word out there. So, you know, we're really, I think this is the perfect timing for all of this to happen now. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stories to be told and and hopefully I'll be able to to play a role in helping tell some of those stories. Is there anything else um, that you want to make sure folks are aware of before we go today? Well, I know we talked about this and I'm a complete blank now. <laughs> uh you know, once again, I think it's just taking advantage of the current situation to, to let people know that there are a lot of women within this industry, a lot of them playing some very important parts and um, just giving them the exposure and the recognition. I think that's probably the thing that's lacking. As I said, I never, I never felt it, I guess, because I worked in a basically all woman company at one point in time. And even through the years, I've just never felt it. Um, I, I guess in some ways I was a pioneer as going out there, going out there and, and presenting a woman in the hobby because I was at a lot of shows and a lot of meetings and industry things through the year. So um, it, it doesn't bother me seemingly as much as it does some of the uh, younger ladies that are now getting in uh, into the hobby and involved in the hobby. And I think they're crying for that. They want to say, I'm a part of this. Let me be a part. Recognize me. I do think that there are also um, a Facebook group or there's a Facebook group or two Correct. that uh, are, is out there that um, is for for women who are collectors and women who are involved in the in the hobby um, where it gives them a chance to to get together and and have a conversation get to know some other women in the hobby 
Are you a part of that? Do you know what that that group is called? Uh, yes, uh, Sarah Lighton, and I think Sue's Sue's that you mentioned earlier, and Tay Fossey, who owns a store, the Bullpen, out in California. They are the administrators of a group called Women in Cards, um, and I believe the last time I heard, they have well over 200 women involved in that Facebook group. Well, thanks again for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Well, you're very welcome. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to do this. The Sports Card Shop is your small town local card shop with the global reach located in New Buffalo, Michigan. The shop is one of the most accessible in the Midwest. In addition to being an authorized Panini Direct Dealer, the Sports Card Shop carries all major trading card brands, including Tops, Upper Deck, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, and more. With all that new wax, a half million singles, and showcases full of graded cards, you're sure to find something great for your collection, whether you're just starting out or a seasoned collector. The Sports Card Shop is your one-stop shop. So call us, come see us, or visit us on the web and social media. Our phone number is 269-469-0140. Website is thesportscardshop at moco.com. The Sports Card Shop is part of the MoCo Retail Group, connecting sports, the hobby, and people around the world. Well, thanks again to Janice for joining me. I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit about her background and also learned something along the way. I know I learned pieces of history about some of the people who were involved in the, the early 90s and the roles that they played and the Im impact that they had on the hobby over the years. So I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit about that too. If you've got any ideas on some other women that we should be highlighting in the hobby, let me know. Reach out to me via email at waxpackhero at gmail.com. Reach out to me on Twitter at TheMikeSummer or on Instagram or TikTok at waxpackhero as well. I'd love to hear your ideas on who else we could be highlighting. So I hope to hear from you soon. That's all I've got for you today. So I'll catch you next time.